1: Hey, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Strain of the Number Show. My name is Wei-Chiang Yong, a global finance and risk management professional. I'll be your co-host today, together with Andrew. And we are very excited to bring you our guest mentor, Shruti Kapoor, a well-rounded finance professional that has worked on operational finance and different advisory roles and lives across the world. And she's currently based in Paris. I'm Shruti, you and I know each other for a while, but it'd be great for you to share with our audience a little bit Yourself and the journey that you've been on and how do you get to Paris at this point?
2: Thanks, uh, thanks Wei Qian. I, um, I was remembering that uh, we met on uh, our first day of work so it was a great way to kind of uh, think about this journey. So two, two years of audit then about uh, five seven years of consultancy and then the last 12-13 uh, years have um, been just different business partnering roles. And I think that's uh, that's where it's kind of clicked for me. You know that that's what fascinates
1: me. You know, of all these different roles that you play and different places in you know, London that you're living in the past as well, if if there is a particular moment or two that really stand out, and what will that be as you look back on your career?
2: Uh, well, I think um, I think the best moments for me have been in the hardest sort of geographies. So. You know, it, it's too early for me to tell about Paris, but L- London was definitely not a hardship posting. But I think um, I think places like China, you know, uh, Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, Philippines, India, um, even even for someone like myself uh, that comes from an Indian background, uh, because I haven't grown up there. When um, uh, operations teams in those kind of countries. Tell me that they understand um, accountancy and finance, and the processes and the training that um, I've established for them works. Uh, I think that's that's kind of what makes me the happiest.
0: All right, that's really interesting observation, Shruti. Yeah, because because like I'm I'm thinking then in terms of how do you because like people probably have different backgrounds and arrived at that understanding in different ways. So. Do you like have any sort of steps or questions that you ask them so that you understand their level of understanding of accounting and finance, and and how to help them reach their potential in their operations?
2: Uh, the first thing is well, what what I found is assume nothing, and um, you know really learn to simplify things. So if you can get a message across in a simple and surprisingly non-financial way, because you've got to kind of tailor your questions and concepts to a non-financial target audience. So what I try and do is, you know, I try and throw as much uh, humor. I try and throw as much um, practical information into it. I really tailor it to their business, uh, even if it means coming down to their individual site uh, and saying, okay, let's talk about Mr. XYZ um, that, you know, um, researches um, chocolates, for example. Bringing it down to a level that is real for them, I think that's where you get their attention.
0: That's, that's fantastic advice. Um, I, I can't help but believe you, you seem to have great confidence in doing that. Um, like part of me says, like I, I, part of me just actually wants to ask is how, do you, how did you develop that confidence?
2: By learning what not to do. So, I think think when it comes to the Big Four experience that, um, you know, Wei Chen and I have kind of gone through, I've been been in that environment for about eight, nine years, and uh, it's a really accelerated learning curve, at least for me. And I learned probably, I would say, 80% of what not to do and what I don't like, and 20% of what I saw and I wanted to emulate.
0: I'd like um look just just to get some of our audience who who a bit nervous about taking those first steps. Uh, I'm not putting you on the spot here, but like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like like seriously, I mean, I, I completely relate to what you're saying, in my own journey. But like, I'd try to give them encouragement. What what's been your hardest one lesson? Let's maybe put it that way in terms of doing that
2: being in a room with type a personalities where everyone's trying to that that's the one that's the one that I can never win and I learned that very very quickly i i am not a subject matter expert i cannot win an argument if someone goes down the path of you know accounting policy la 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 that that kind of stuff doesn't interest me and the moment that we go down that path then uh, i kind of lose interest and then you know this kind of confidence that you're hearing really gets shaken up. That, you know, in the consultancy environments, that level of show-off, honestly, that, that's what used to get me a bit shaky.
1: You know, Shuti, on the point that you talked about confidence in eighty twenty, 20 I think you bring out a very important attributes and quality of a good finance business partner. Because it's not about all the technical jargons and stuff like that. It's, ability to connect with the stakeholders and relay insights that you know you you have derived from all the work or analysis that you have done how do you see that that capability kind of supporting or helping you right now in in your current role
2: so my current role um, uh, is all about bringing uh, process technology and people together and we're kind of building the future in the business of you know new ways of working, and um, and that's why you know when I mention about keeping things simple, keeping things relatable, that's where it comes in handy. So you know I actually got some really good advice, kind of in the middle of my career, where you know a very senior finance member had told me, you know that meetings are not about a time to show off. Meetings are about a time to get alignment and to find solutions. So that's really stuck with me because I'm not interested in being the cleverest person in the room, you know, I'm being, I'm kind of interested in being seen as the person that helps to find a business solution.
0: <laughs> that, that was a great bit of advice, Ruti. I, I would say uh, it reminded me very much of something similar someone said to me. Actually, those people that remain quiet and aren't the ones showing off can be really dangerous in terms of the, the questions they can ask because they're observing and taking it all in. And, and I think that provides opportunity for a lot more value. I I kind but of feel that um, I'd actually, you know what, for all this, I'd actually love to go into it. You didn't really mention it on your career journey, but when we were speaking previously, you used to disc jockey on um, for an airliner, I believe, or on a plane. Do, do you mind going into that a bit more for us?
2: Sure, sure. So when I was in uh, university in Singapore uh, and I was bored, bored out of my mind um, doing journal entries, Uh, one of my uh, friends had said that Singapore Airlines was looking for another voice and they were actually going to replace someone doing a a Hindi channel with Bollywood music. So, you know, I was 18, 19 years old. I said, yeah, why why not? And I was petrified, absolutely petrified. And I think my first, uh, probably my first year of... um, of shows probably sounded like a robot or you know like a very excited chip because so I was just kind of bouncing off the walls. It, it took some time to really get comfortable with the mic you know and it and I think I think that has helped me because uh, as you progress in finance and with technology catching up your entire day could be spent on conference calls. So learning how to modulate your voice learning how to say things with impact uh, learning to find the right words at the right time i think i learned that through my um in-flight dj experience
0: that that that's a, you know what that is a really i think that's a great bit of advice to offer to our audience because it's just a completely different it sounds a very fun way terrifying to start with but but no joke, right? I was on a conference call this week, and I thought I was on the on the podcast the way I was closing it off, and it was just like, oh my God, I gotta remember I'm back at work again, and I can't um, I can't start be joking around at the end and closing it off and wrapping it up, but those skills do actually transfer the transferable skills gained in another different environment can bring back into our work to be more effective uh, and communication being such a key skill in in a global global workforce, global world at the moment. So it's um, so fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Shruti. I, I'm curious, though, uh, that sounds like a really fun experience. What In terms of at the moment, what's exciting you about most about your current work? Well,
2: like I mentioned, you know, we're kind of building the future. So I try and um, keep that healthy balance of being brave, but also recognizing that 70% is good enough because you need to move. And finding that balance is very, very difficult.
0: I appreciate. I uh, can completely relate to that difficulty and that balance. Any any tips for us um, to 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 do that better or even get near that?
2: I, I think just you know trust your gut. Don't go down a rabbit hole just to win a point. Take a breather. Walk out of the room if you have to for a little while get into a you know coffee environment to restart the conversation because once you get into those kind of debates then again you know then the meeting turns into every expertise just trying to show off and that doesn't solve anything
0: like i was wondering there as you were saying like i was trying you know i had an image of myself trying to do those things that could be quite unnerving for some people to to do those things but i think that they're very effective and there's someone who's from someone who i believe has picked this up over time there's no right or wrong way that's why i think when i asked you the question i was putting you on the spot a bit because i don't think there's any right questions they're, they're what work for you but i mm. thought that was a great list um mm. wait, wait, what do you think
1: absolutely and and Shruti, when you talk about in your current role you guys are exploring new ways of working trying to transform to a certain extent the existing processes and and how way things are are you know, been done in the organization. So just curious to know, how do you deal with people's resistance and that mindset change? Because that, I guess, will be fundamental in terms of driving the change. You know, that advice that, that you can offer to our audience.
2: I start by building trust. And that trust has to come in by picking up the phone, going over and talking to someone, you know, being very careful with, what words you use when you send that first email The the first interaction with someone i have found is is, um, is, is either going to make it for me or it's not going to happen if i don't pay attention to the first way that i uh reach a new contact then i kind of have to backward pedal for at least a couple of weeks before i can build that trust back again so Uh, Again, that was something that I learned by watching. So, uh, you know, very, very early in my career, I was not this chatty. And it comes with the territory, it comes with the position as well. So don't be scared to flex your muscle if you have a manager in your title, for example. That's the whole point. Um, But if you are a financial analyst, for example, you have to sometimes learn to zip it. So it's, it's, a, it's about knowing your audience, knowing who's in the room, respecting uh, the seniority uh, that you're faced with, because uh, a lot of times, particularly you know, with a consultancy kind of background, you can go down this path where you sound extremely condescending. And I've learned that um, no matter how senior you get, even in the organization, uh, you always have to start with uh, a level of humility and respect, and that that that's then how I build to the next level of let me tell you how I can make things better.
1: Good point, which is trust. How do we build trust with our stakeholders and some of the advice that given in terms of you know making that first impression? cow, be authentic, humility. Plus respect. I think those are very, very important. Just just wanted to kind of hear a little more um, from you in terms of while dealing with the stakeholders, especially for a junior person, you talk about a financial analyst, say, for example, without a title, how can he or she be effective in terms of influencing the stakeholders? Uh,
2: One very, very simple way is to offer to take minutes. You'll be amazed how (laughs) easy it is uh, where people instinctively um, will trust you uh, if it's your words that they're reading at the end of a meeting, because that's what they will remember.
0: That was a great answer, by the way, Shruti, I have to say that was awesome. Answer. I would not even thought of that, mm. but but no, it's funny because because that's that's exactly that's exactly what I I just probably accidentally did. And what I, I would even probably add into that that um, I worked I worked at a company as a uh, head of finance. And I actually sat next to the company secretary who's professional at minute taking. She showed me a really good methodology. So I, I just started using that. But what a great suggestion. I, I think that's a cracker. Mm. Uh, and um, it's it's not that difficult task. And it forces us to listen and observe and, and flesh out the actions. And, you know, one of the most uh, best questions I've seen in meetings is those who are clarifying the actions or the next steps, OK, so, you know, who's taking that action, what's involved and, and by when? And and those questions, they will really build towards being a successful, finance, professional, wherever you go in your career, because that's ultimately businesses are a, a load of activities that have to happen to drive sustained, profitable growth. So, you know, minute taking is a very powerful way of learning about a, a business, who's saying what and 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 being seen to drive action so great great recommendation thanks ruchi
2: i have uh, i have another one uh, by the way again it was uh, it was one of my direct managers um and this was after i think a couple of weeks where there was pin drop silence from me in meetings uh, because i was you know really really listening and trying not to um sound like a moron and he he told me a very very good piece of advice he said look Shruti, If you don't say anything, people assume that you're not listening. So if you have nothing to say and you genuinely don't understand what's happening in the meeting, just say, can I clarify something and then just pick up on what somebody has said and just try and repeat it to say, was my understanding correct? That's all you need to do. And trust me, it works. Even when you've zoned off for a little while, you know everyone has good days and bad days. If you've kind of switched off for 15-20 minutes you want to come back into the meeting that's a very very good way of getting back into the conversation
1: I agree especially for an Asian when we sit in a meeting a lot of time Asian being a little more reserved we tend to be a little quieter not that we don't understand It's just we do tend to be a little more conservative when we wanted to say something with a lot of people around um, but that that is a very useful piece of advice especially Kind of leading to that, as in, you know, you being an Asian woman right now working in an environment that is, you know, that is predominantly European, not that you haven't, but right now is again back in pa- back to, to, to Paris. What are some of the commonality that you see versus different perspectives that you bring in that adds to the overall team dynamic and, you know, leading to innovation and creativity in problem solving?
2: Uh, so um, that that one is a, a tough one because, first of all, to be fair, uh, Europe is used to diversity, so it's not a region where I'm coming in and um, trying to bring in a new, you know, perspective. They're, they're kind of used to it, so that really helps. I think uh, what I've found is because I'm a minority in my own country, uh, I'm used to being the odd one out, so I'm comfortable in that space. And so what I always do, and I do this at home as well, you know, this is not specific to Europe, is that, again, finding the commonality is key. And a lot of times, the easiest way is just to connect on business principles, business concepts. So um, that's, that's one way of keeping it technical and um, slightly more reserved. Uh, which works with an asian sort of um, culture and personality Uh, if you're brave enough to try and venture into more personal conversations uh, a great common ground is food and again you know you will be amazed the number of people that can spend hours and hours talking about food and it doesn't matter which region they come from i know that that's such an easy thing in um, in asia to talk about Uh, The Europeans and the Americans love it, too. I guess in terms of the differences that I bring. So uh, number one, especially in a a physical meeting, uh, I am a visual representation of diversity. So whether I like it or not, again, I stand (laughs) out. So um, I think that just forces people to kind of sit up differently. You know, body language is different. Now, again, Trying to be comfortable in that space and not take it personally is something that I would recommend because people are not um, uncomfortable with you in the room, but um, you you just have to accept the fact that you look different.
0: I never never thought about it like that, Shushi. So, so so thank you for, for going into that for us. I was just I was wondering if we could step it up a couple of gears and, and and fire some questions at you. What's been the best bit of advice you've ever received?
2: As an Asian, I think uh, one of the things we strive for is perfection. It's in our DNA. We can't help it. That gets exasperated with um, going through a consultancy experience. Um, I really had to be told, you know, at at close, close to my breaking point, I would say I had to be told in the consultancy environment that 70% is good enough perfecting a role or perfecting a task is not wanted or even asked for. And honestly, you're not making anyone happy apart from yourself.
1: You've been, you know, travelling and, and busy in the last little while, but if there'll be one so-called reading that you recommend or two um, to our readers?
2: I'm, I'm an avid reader, uh, Wei Qian, and um, unfortunately, I prefer to read fiction. So my, my recommendation... Uh, would be a book called A River Sutra and it's fascinating to me because it's about people attempting perfection and uh, how that would never really um, be successful because human traits at the end of the day prevail. So that particular book has, um, has really left a mark on me and, and it's, uh, it's short stories you know so it's, uh, mm. it's a very very easy read as well. I, I, I like it
1: well it definitely works well for quite a lot of our busy audience what will be one or two of the most important for an accounting and and finance professional now that's first part of the question and then looking into the future what will that two attributes or quality looks like for us to remain relevant into the future
2: I think think the accountancy umbrella versus the finance umbrella are two different beasts. So we really have to be crystal clear that if you're in an accountancy sort of job, then you have to make sure that you build accurate, sustainable databases. And if you're in finance, then it's about respecting those databases that exist and using them to link in flexible reporting. Because I think what we um, find a lot is that there's a lot of frustration in accountancy versus finance people, and I'm not even bringing the business into this, yeah? This is two people in the same family fighting with each other because Mm -hmm. one is constantly trying to talk about, you know, accurate, um, sustainable data points, Versus the other one is constantly saying, but my business needs flexibility. So um, I think both people need to step in into each other's arena and really work together because this is what business partnering is all about.
1: Now, that collaboration definitely is critical. So how are you seeing that collaboration at this point and looking into the future? You know, How much more so-called emphasis will you place on that? collaboration for us for the whole profession to stay relevant
2: so I think uh, I think we're really lucky because um, finance has already seen like the right hand uh, of any business decision yeah and now we really don't need to fight that battle on a daily basis to be invited into the room so we are automatically brought to the table and in fact we are given a very important seat Um, uh, on that table. I think the trick is to find an industry that actually interests you as a finance person, because you're being invited. You are being invited to step in and sit down. So you genuinely need to be interested in the business uh, aspect of things. And then it is your job to kind of tailor that and apply your skill sets there. Well, well, I, I would actually throw this challenge on you know people that close books people that are controlling people that are fpna segment uh, segment finance business partnering uh, MA uh, people people in the entire spectrum you know even leadership roles like you know cfo's every single person needs to understand what is non negotiable in our uh, field and those are the values and principles of accountancy that you cannot compromise on. And there's no point fighting about those. So if everyone kind of talks the same language about non-negotiable accountancy rules, and then everyone agrees that you have full reign to go as flexible as you want in terms of reporting and analysis, I think then there will be fewer battles in the meeting room.
0: No, Thanks, thanks for that. And I, I suppose before we, we wrap up, any other parting thoughts for audience?
2: I, I think for me, what has worked for me is to learn to accept and not fight the business values and decisions that are made. It's sitting in that grey space of being miserable and not agreeing with why your company is either being too ruthless with cost-cutting or your company being too slow and inefficient by allowing people that are inept in their jobs to continue doing what they're doing being in that gray space is very very negative it's extremely demoralizing so uh, learning to accept it or saying sorry this genuinely doesn't work with me and i just need to go the sooner you can make that decision for yourself I think the easier um, it will be in terms of coming to work every day, because you really have to line up the business values with your personal values. And if you feel at some point that the business is going against fundamental principles that you agree with, it's time to go. Be be brave enough to take that decision to go.
0: So, so Shruti, thanks for all the great advice. Thanks for taking us through your journey on on confidence and how to develop that, as well as a really one bit that really stuck with me is you know not be turning up to meetings uh, just to be showing off. Um, some uh, some tips on getting the balance as well, building trust without I suppose being condescending, which you know some of us can slip into, particularly when we we've come in from a consulting background as well. I love the take the minutes idea. That was fantastic. A conversation about diversity. So Wei Chen, great question. Thanks, thanks for, for for asking this, and thanks for being such a great co-host on, on your first ever uh, "Strengthen the Numbers" podcast. Thank you. So look, look. If, yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping the experience doesn't terrify you, and you'll come uh, back. No, again.
1: definitely not. So
0: uh, for many more. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, and Shruti, thank you so much. You had a fantastic career, and this was a little bit of advice. So, on behalf of our audience.